The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. We're going to radiate spooky with Becky Ray of Ghosts A Go-Go. Becky Ray is a writer, public speaker, and presenter on history, the paranormal, and true crime. She has written a book, Kansas City Hauntings, History and Mystery of the Paris of the Plains. Thank you so much, Becky, for joining me. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm happy to. I've been so excited for this bonus Halloween episode. I love the paranormal. (laughs) This is your spooky season, isn't it? It is. It's, um, you know, well, I'm spooky year round, but this is the time of year that other people get spooky too. And so I'm busier. Exactly. So you've done a fair amount of research and investigation. Um, how did you get into that? Originally, how did I get into um, the yeah. paranormal? Yeah. I love to tell the story because it's totally true. I was just one of those weird kids that when somebody had say, oh, here's a ghost story. I was like, tell me, tell me. And whenever I'd hear about a haunted location, I was like, well, when can we go there? And <laughs> I was just always putting myself in these locations. And um, then people would say, oh, you go to spooky places. Tell me about them. And I realized I'd been to so many, I couldn't remember what happened where. So I started taking pictures and taking notes after I went places to keep track of it all. And I'd been doing that for a while before I realized I was doing a thing that other people do. <laughs> it's like, oh, I was just doing it to be a storyteller. But hey, you know what? This is awesome, too. So that's kind of how I first really got into it. And I really dove hard last part of college and since then. So, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, so, of course, you went to college to be a librarian. Well, actually, I didn't. Did <laughs> I fell into librarian, being a librarian by chain of events. <laughs> a series of events got me here. 
I went to um, college. Initially, I wanted to be a journalism major because I love to write. And I was the editor of a high school paper. And I was the editor of our college paper, too. But they didn't offer that as a major. You could only minor in it. Right. So I, uh, my degree is in speech theater. <laughs> so I'm a speaker, performer with journalism minor. <laughs> oh, that is so exciting. And yeah, yeah. you're a part-time librarian as well. So get yeah. to do more yep. research, investigate. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, being a librarian isn't something I ever thought about doing. But once I decided to apply for the job, it was also obvious I've always been in the library my whole life. I loved going to the library. I would spend hours in the library. Before internet, I would have a notebook that I just wrote down things I wanted to look up. And I would go to the library and just go through my list and look up everything on the list. Just, okay, today I'm going to be, oh, I'm going to be in this section because this is my subject. And being, working at the library is just, duh. <laughs> Why didn't I figure that one out myself? <laughs> to be around books all the time and I get yeah. to read them and like, wow, yeah. that's awesome. And, and access to all the research materials and it's, yeah, it's great. Wow, wow, wow. So in your your paranormal research, mm-hmm. um, we think of tend to think of paranormal as, you know, ghosts, but there's more to that. I was like, what what are the, one of the things you like to investigate and research? Um, well, the paranormal is basically just anything that we don't have an explanation for yet, anything that's not normal, normal yet. Um, and there are things that, you know, we hope someday will be normal, normal. Um, the things I like when I was younger, I was really into UFOs and I still am. I, you know, they fascinate me. Be them, whatever they are. I, I'm very fascinated by anything that's unknown. You know, it's, is it aliens from another planet? Is it another dimension? Is it people here just using those as a way to get us to run away from them? I don't know, but it fascinates me. And um, I love that. And I'm also really interested in the, cryptidology with the Bigfoot and Leslie, Nessie, not Leslie. I don't know who Leslie is. I just made that up. Um, <laughs> Nessie. <laughs> um, and I don't know that I fully believe in them. I think that those are things we probably could explain, yeah. but I'm very fascinated by it and think we should spend more time doing that, trying to figure, okay, so if it's not this, what is it? Um, and I always point out the example for a long time, pandas were a mythical creature. They didn't yeah. think pandas were real. People would talk about these black and white bears. And and now we have pandas in the zoo. Maybe someday Sasquatch will be in the zoo. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's just, it's interesting to me. And I think that it needs to be looked at. It does need to be looked. There are so many mysteries. I mean, so many things that are unexplained. You know, our last guest was talking about alien abduction and just, yeah. we don't know what the purpose is. We don't know what race this is what what type of beings these are i mean we don't we, there's just so much we don't know yeah. and so you know we can research and um so i have to ask with the you started yeah. out with the fascination of aliens and ufos mm-hmm. have you seen one i have definitely seen some unidentified flying objects what they were i don't know <laughs> were they maybe satellites um I don't know. I've not seen one up close personally, but I've, I've heard some really good stories of people who've seen some up close. The, the weirdest thing I've ever had happen is I was with a friend in college and we were out in the country because we didn't have internet and that's what we did for fun back then. And we were just kind of star watching and um, we saw, um, I don't remember which constellation it was. I think it might've been Scorpio. Um, and we're just pointing them out because we'd all taken 
astronomy and we were pointing out the constellations. And as we were looking at what we thought was Scorpio, it started moving and changing. And we realized, oh, that's not even the right place for Scorpio. What is that? <laughs> and this whole constellation just started moving and then just flew off. And it was bizarre. <laughs> was that from another planet? Was that us doing something? I don't know, but it was very unidentified. And I don't know why. <laughs> well, that is so, well, I mean, this is a whole, that's the definition of, of it, you know, yes. unidentified yeah. flying object, yeah. right? It's a very definition. And then what about cryptids? Have you seen any? No, I've never seen any. Um, <laughs> I can tell you a funny story about the time I thought I did when I was like eight years old. <laughs> please, please. Um, back in the 70s, there was this wonderful documentary that came out in the theaters about Bigfoot. And I think it's the one that had Peter Graves in it. You can still find it on YouTube. Um, and my dad had taken my brother and sister and I to go see it because we were really into that type of thing. And it was awesome when we came out of that theater thinking, hey, we're Bigfoot professionals now. We know what to look for for Bigfoot. And um, that summer we went to visit my grandparents up in Nebraska. And they live in a very small town. and. Um, when we were there, we were playing in the backyard and there was nothing behind their house because they just moved into this newer house and nothing had been built back there yet. And we start seeing Bigfoot back behind the house. There's a few blocks and then it kind of drops off before it goes down to the road. And there's a fence there and we could see this black form that was kind of came to a point, like they said in the documentary, that Bigfoot's head kind of comes to a point. Right. And then every now and then there would be this other black object that would come up. And we thought, is he stuck? Does he need help? He's waving at us. What's going on? And we were too scared to just go explore by ourselves. Plus, we weren't supposed to walk off that far by ourselves. So uh, we went in the house and told my grandparents and my parents, and they all looked at us like, are you stupid? <laughs> we we're like, no, really, Bigfoot is in the backyard and he's stuck. <laughs> and so my grandpa put on his shoes and just kind of shook his head and walked us out to Bigfoot. And yeah, it was the fence and it was a black trash bag that had got stuck on the fence. <laughs> had he not walked us out there to this day, I bet I'd be telling you about the time I saw Bigfoot in Nebraska. <laughs> My grandfather was so patient with us. <laughs> that was my Bigfoot sighting story. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, here in uh, in the Kansas City area, we've been seeing Mothman recently. Have you been looking I, into that? Yeah, he had been in, they talked about him all over in Chicago for the last couple of years. And now people are seeing him here. And I live out on the um, east end of town. And I've heard people talking about seeing it in Oak Grove. And I thought, that's getting too close to my house. <laughs> People were talking about seeing it in, near um, Swope Park, which is too close to my yeah. house. <laughs> oh, my God. interesting. You know how it was seen all over Chicago. Now it's being seen here. What is it? What are we, what are we actually seeing? What are we seeing? You know, I've been to um, Point Pleasant, and yeah. in the daytime, we saw something that I thought, okay, that's got to be what people saw that they thought was Mothman, and it was the big crane. Because when it took off and flew over, it was freaky. And in the dark, it would have looked like a person. But I don't know what people are seeing here. It sounds different and very spooky. <laughs> so tell me about what were, what was being seen in Chicago. I hadn't heard that. Um, just a Mothman type 
creature being seen around the airport mostly. And um, I think that was going on last year, maybe two years ago too, that people kept reporting seeing it near the airport. Wow. Well, and there was the huge UFO sighting at O'Hare Airport right, in Chicago years ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's probably about oh. the same time this started. Weirdly. <laughs> oh, wow. So for anybody who doesn't know and who isn't up on Mothman, can you tell them mm-hmm. what that is? Well, <laughs> this creature was seen in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which is just right by Ohio. It's just across the bridge. And um, they started seeing this. They didn't know what else to call it because it had wings and it looked like a man. And they said it kind of looked like a moth. And Batman was a big TV show at the same time. So they started calling it Mothman in the newspaper. And the name has just stuck with it. He's been Mothman ever since. Um, And there in Point Pleasant, people were seeing it was kind of the thing to do was drive out to the old areas where it used to be abandoned uh, military stuff. And people would report seeing him out there. And some people reported seeing him on the bridge. And um, then the the Silver Bridge collapsed and people stopped seeing him. And some people think he was a harbinger warning them that the bridge was going to collapse. And what I think happened was the bridge collapse was just so horrible and so tragic. People stopped looking. (laughs) They weren't looking for him anymore. I don't think he was a sign of something bad happening. But I just think bridge collapse kind of takes over going out to look for a mothman. Um, but people still see him and um, people like we were just talking about recently have started seeing the same type of creature in Chicago and here in Kansas City and probably elsewhere, too. But so this is like I don't this know what it is. But tall. Yeah. Humanoid. Big red eyes and scary. Wings. <laughs> Looks like a man with moth wings. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it is? I hope it's just a bird. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, I, I really don't. I have no clue what that is. And it's kind of spooky that people are seeing it places. And I did see a photo. It wasn't a recent one. And I don't remember where it was taken. That was a really compelling photo that I thought, okay, if that's real, that's scary. Because <laughs> that looks like a person. You can see their arms and their legs. And it's it, it's in the air flying with these big moth wings. and. Yeah, it was unnerving. <laughs> Moths don't look like that. So it wasn't just a bug. It looked like a person with wings. I have no clue what that is. Wow. Wow. Do you do any investigations around cryptids, around UFOs? Uh, not really. I do personally just on my own, you know, do research online and things and keep up with that. Uh, but with my paranormal group here, we mostly stick to hauntings and ghosts and uh, things that we can actually go in and investigate. The thing with cryptids and UFOs is someone can see it, but all you can do is take the report. You can't actually go there and wait for it to come back because it's not gonna. <laughs> um, so it's more difficult. It's a different type of investigating. It's more of um, like after a crime, you, you just have to go and interview everybody and find out who all was there and you know, try to get measurements of how big was it, you know, what did it look like and just document everything. So you can kind of document, like they call it a flap, when a whole bunch of GFOs are being seen at the same time. But it's totally different than investigating ghosts, where if you've got a haunted building, we like to people to keep a log of when things happen, who's present when they happen, what kinds of things happen. So we make sure we're there at the time things are happening. Like I always tell people, it doesn't make any sense to be there at 10 o'clock at night in the dark if the only time people see things is at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in the daylight. 
So, you know, we want to be there when things are happening. But with the hauntings, you can do that. You can go to the location and wait for it to happen and see if you can figure out what it is and prove it or disprove it or have an experience yourself where, you know, with Mothman, we don't know where he's going to show up next. And the same thing with the UFOs, you know, where are they going to show up next? You can sit outside and wait, wait, and wait, but there's no, I mean, you can be waiting on one end of town and they're on the other end of town. It's just, it's harder to schedule that. Yeah, exactly. So you have your own experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. Not at all. Um, so you've done a fair amount of investigating haunted houses and haunted locations. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. How did you get into I like that? it. Um, well, I've been going to the haunted locations forever, um, legally or illegally. Don't trespass, kids. Um, <laughs> trespassing is bad. I do not trespass now. I might have when I was young and dumb. Um, but now I like to contact the owners of places and um, just say, can I come in and talk to you about what's you've had happening and check it out. And then um, when I've had a team together, we have um, made ourselves available to people that if they're having experiences and they're willing to, to help us with the work, like keeping the logs and keeping track of things for us and letting us know what's going on, then we'll go out and investigate their house form. I think one thing that people don't understand about what we do is we're not ghostbusters. Uh, we can't make the ghost go away. Right. We can't make it stop. Um, they actually have better luck at making it stop than we can. And that's just talking to it and asking it to stop. <laughs> They're going to listen to the homeowners before they listen to some strangers who just came in. We're just there to document and investigate and see what's going on and see if we can find out what's happening there. Um, so there's always, there's not a rush for us to come out and do an investigation. And I think sometimes people missed that they'd like okay it's happening right now i want you guys to drop everything and come there right now and it's not plausible we have day jobs and <laughs> it's hard for we don't all live together with you know like a fire engine to hop in and go there so it, it's more it takes more organization for us to come out and do a private home investigation um and yeah like i said there's no rush because we're not going to be able to make it stop anyway so <laughs> what's not your, what we do what's your- What's your um, organization called? Paranormal Activity Investigators. Uh, we've been around since 2003, and so we didn't get in on the creative name phase. <laughs> we went for the bland, what do we do? Paranormal Activity Investigators. There's our name. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you know, the other TV show, Ghost Hunters, came out a few years later, and now everybody has these really cool creative names, and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> We were only one of two teams back when we had to come up with our names. So it's kind of like, oh, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's good. <laughs> and then you've put some of your investigations into this book, Kansas City yes. Haunting. Yeah. I have. I have. Oh, you can't see it. It, it, it purples out. <laughs> there it is. There's my book. Oh, there it is. Keep it in front of me. <laughs> there it is. Kansas yes, City I have. Um, the location's in there that that um, I have been able to do investigations at, I definitely included some of our findings in there as well, in in addition to other people's stories. Yeah. Can you give us some highlights? Yeah. um, I'm really into history. I think um, history is important for everything, but especially when it comes to hauntings. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've got a location that's got a ghost, the closest you can come to proving it is historically, if you can look back and say, people say, I keep hearing this name, Rachel. 
And you look back through the records and like, hey, you know what, a Rachel lives here. Um, you might think, okay, maybe that's a place to start. Or people keep saying, I see a woman in a white dress that kind of looks like this in this time period. You can look back historically into that time period and see if anyone matching that was actually there. And then look into the history of what's happened on the property, not just the building that's there now. What was there before? What was there before that? What was there before that? You know, a haunting could come from any point in time, not necessarily the building that's sitting on it now. Um, sometimes I hear people say, this is a brand new building. It's like, yeah, well, what sat there before? <laughs> what used to be there? We need to find all that out. And so I do a lot of digging into locations in history before we even go out to do an investigation. And I included a lot of that pertinent information in the book, too. Um, and there's some places like in Independence, Missouri, the 1859 jail and Marshall's home that's got a really dark history to it. Um, it's a museum now, and it's I recommend going there. It's very cool. Um, the jail cells that are still there um, are just, you can see they're just this limestone, big, thick bricks. There's no heating, no cooling. Uh, but it was pre-Civil War, and um, there used to be a building next door that they would put escaped slaves in, which, I mean, that building's gone. Um, but you got that history right there as well. And then during the Civil War, um, lots of bad things happened there. Uh, there were shootouts. There was a marshal who was killed during an attempted jailbreak. He was actually killed in the marshal's home part. Mm. Um, William Quantrill was there numerous times trying to get his buddies out. There were fights just on the outside around the square area in Independence. And I think a lot of that energy and a lot of those things are in that limestone and the jail cells still. It just left that mark behind. And um, it's a very interesting place to investigate. Oh my gosh. I'm looking through the description of your book and it's just, it's like, mm -hmm. a, this is like a who's who in <laughs> history. There's the Bobby Greenlee's kidnapping. Yes. Uh, I've got my own story. I wonder if Bobby Greenlee's was held in my house. <gasps> really? I wonder. So I might want some help investigating that. I had sure, a yeah. team out. Yeah, that's a case out. that's, heartbreaking and just tragic and I think except for people who are into true crime a lot of people in Kansas City don't even know that happened yeah that I mean that was tragic mm -hmm. right so have you yep. discovered some hauntings surrounding that case no I haven't um which I guess is good you know <laughs> um, uh, um the locations are really tough because it's mostly um you know private school private homes and um, the owners of the property have to be open to people coming into doing investigations on that. So I haven't really gotten into any hauntings with that, but it's just such an important part of Kansas City's true crime history. Uh, it's one of the stories I included in there in the mysteries part. Yeah, and the mysteries. Mm -hmm. A lot of mysteries. Yeah, I had a paranormal yeah. team come out to my house and um, Joyce Morgan, who is now deceased, she's a, she was mm -hmm. a very well-known psychic. And she went into uh, one of the bedrooms and said, oh, this is Bobby's room. And I just really? completely got this, this feeling that I, he may have been held there. I cannot verify at all. Interesting. I know. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, there's stuff going on in my house. You know, because the story's kind of weird how they took him from the school and then immediately drove him out to Overland Park where they killed him and then took him to St. Joe. It's like, well, 
does that timeline work out or did they take him someplace first or, you know, what was the real timeline there? What was the timeline? I know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, then there's the Union Station Massacre, the Kansas oh, yeah. Strangler. Oh, yeah. So is there a haunting at, um, surrounding the Union Station Massacre? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, at least one. <laughs> at least one. Um, people have reported seeing um, the main, the, the, the fugitive who was being transferred back to Leavenworth. Um, he was killed in the shootout there in the parking lot. And um, he was shot accidentally by the officer behind him in the car who didn't know how to use his shotgun, um, which is really a mess. Um, several of the people were shot by friendly fire in that shootout um, because they, for some reason, had swapped guns and the one guy did not know how to use the other guy's shotgun and just blasted away. Um, but part of his head was blown off and people have seen him sitting and walking around Union Station missing part of his head. <laughs> his name was Frank Nash. And um, yeah, he's been seen several places there. And there's a really good story that I think I included in the book um, where the security guards saw this person sitting on a bench where they shouldn't be and sent um, somebody, this is late at night, and sent one of the other guys to go investigate it. And when he got there, there was nobody on the bench, but they could still see him on their monitor and said, he's still sitting right there. And um, they think that guy was Frank Nash because he was dressed similar to how he was the day of the massacre. Yeah. And there's one of the officers, he didn't die in the massacre, but he died later that they think is there as well. And there's many other hauntings at Union Station. It's a very haunted place. <laughs> yeah, you look at these places that are that have activity and they're typically places besides homes, but even homes do, mm -hmm. um, that have had a lot of emotion. Yes. A lot of energy in them. Right. Mm -hmm. Good energy, bad energy, like theaters are almost always haunted. And um, as a theater person myself, we think that that's because people love what they do and they they put so much passion and energy into their work that when they're gone, they've left that mark there in the theater. It might just be residual, it might just be a imprint they left behind, but it was a place they loved. So they that's where they're seen as they're back there in the theater. So, you know, it works both ways, horrible tragedy, very happy memory. You know, mm -hmm. Anything with a lot of emotion can leave that mark behind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So definitely something like a, you know, a, a, a big train station where people are coming and going, mm -hmm. saying goodbye and coming home. And it was its most popular during World War II. You know, a lot of goodbyes that were permanent goodbyes and. Um, a lot of people coming back with what they called shell shock back then, but now we know it's PTSD. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of emotions going on there. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you talk about the Kansas City Strangler and the bridge murder case and the prospect yeah. murder killer. I haven't even yep. heard of these. <laughs> I bet you have. You just probably didn't know that the newspapers gave them those fun names. Oh. Um, the, the prospect corridor one wasn't that long ago. So, uh, yeah. But there, we have a lot of serial killers in Kansas City and probably do right now, too, which is unnerving. Which is um, unnerving. I didn't really think about that till I started looking into it. And I was like, uh, uh, well, here, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. <laughs> I was like, OK, this makes me um, feel like I need to carry my taser. <laughs> have you heard, speaking of which, have you heard of mm -hmm. any um, hauntings, residual or otherwise, surrounding the Bob Berdella house? 
or the Bob Rodella? I have not. And, you know, I, I knew some people that lived in that neighborhood recently and uh, they didn't tell me anything. I mean, maybe they did and didn't tell me, <laughs> which would be bad on them because <laughs> they had no, I'd want to know that. Um, but no, I really haven't, um, which is surprising because, you know, he had skulls buried in the backyard uh, and killed them all in the basement right there in the house. And, you know, well, or not all in the basement, he cut them up in the basement. He killed them in the house. You just think that there would be some sort of horrible mark, but the way that they did that, the gentleman that bought the property where the house was when they tore it down, split it in half and gave it to the neighbors. So nothing will be built there again, which I think was a very wise thing to do. So yeah, there's not a building there to haunt per se. It's just the lot. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's wonderful. That's a yes. great yes. way to do that. You know, because mm. that was a horrific, horrific oh, yeah. crime here in Canada. You know, and I think the reason that some people don't know as much about Bob Berdella as, say, like Ted Bundy, is Bob Berdella was just really getting into the news and people were getting horrified by it. And Geraldo Rivera was trying to sensationalize it um, when they um, got... Uh, Oh no, I just blanked on his name. They caught the guy in Wisconsin, um, the cannibal. Like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer, thank you. Why did he I just totally blanked on his name? He came just a few months later after Burdella's arrest. And I think he just, he was eating them overshadowed all the horrible things Bob Burdella had done in Kansas City. So I think that's why he's not up there with the rest of them. That's <gasps> the timeline. Because mm -hmm. he was just as awful, if not worse. Oh, God, he was. Yeah, it was just, yeah, terrible, terrible, terrible. So we've had our fair share of true crime around here. Um, oh, yeah. And then you mentioned some hotels. Oh, my gosh, the Savoy Hotel is known, you know, worldwide as a hell of uh -huh. hell of haunted. What happened? Yep. What happened? <laughs> you know, lots of things happened there, but I can't find any specific one event. Um, when I started looking into haunted hotels, I really found out something I probably knew subconsciously but never really thought about is that lots of people die at hotels. Um, people die at hotels all the time. Wow. And I just never really was like, oh, yeah, I guess they would, wouldn't they? You know, people have heart attacks and die. People have strokes. Um, people get murdered. People take people to hotels to murder them. People go to hotels, get a nice room and commit suicide. Uh, people die at hotels. Lots of them do. Wow. And um yeah, with the Savoy, I couldn't really find one specific awful event, but lots of stories that people have had there. Um, the one thing people always talk about at the Savoy is room 505, and they say that a woman drowned in a bathtub there, uh, but I could never find any proof that that ever happened. Really? The, really? The, those, that block of rooms in that area are definitely haunted, and they have had problems with the plumbing there. So something happened. I, maybe it's just she had a different name than the name that people are using. And as I was digging into that some more, I found out that that name was given by a psychic back in the 70s. So maybe she got the name wrong or he got the name wrong. I don't know which psychic it was. Uh, but I think maybe if we got a better name, we could do more looking into that and finding it. Because it's really hard to look into incidents without a name. <laughs> and yeah, the name that, that they've given to it just doesn't fit anything. That name, I couldn't even find a person that existed with that name. So. Really? Wow. Yeah. Would it be possible? Not in Kansas City, at least. <laughs> Would it be possible to find out who died at the Savoy? 
Yes and no. Um, probably not because a lot of confidentiality and, you know, especially now with HIPAA laws and everything. Um, and I don't think the police will let me come in and go, can I go through your, your records and hit up all the funeral homes in town? <laughs> I, mean, I guess it's plausible, but it's a lot of legwork. Sure. Um, but the amount of people that die at hotels, it's like, they would probably say, do you mean this month? You know, it's, it's just crazy. It's one of those things I never really thought about, but I always do now. Every time I check into a hotel, it's like, I wonder if anyone died in this room. <laughs> and, you know, probably they did. <laughs> oh my God, Maybe yeah. I'm exaggerating, but, you know, that was my finding was, wow, people die at hotels. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the Elms Hotel. There's the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Crescent Crescent Hotel in Excelsior Springs. There's the Stanley Hotel, color famously yeah. haunted. Yep, yep, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Um, old hotels have had a lot of stories. A lot of things have gone on in them, and um, a lot of events and a lot of history. And of course, people died. And um, things happen. Things happen. Sometimes people leave a mark behind and sometimes they're actively there. And you just kind of got to keep that in mind when you start hearing the noises in the room at night. It's like, <laughs> maybe that's not the neighbors. <laughs> well, maybe it is, but it's not physical. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what has been your favorite um, investigation here in Kansas City? That's always so tough because I've had some really good ones. Um, you know, my favorite places aren't necessarily where I have my favorite investigations. Um, sure. One of my favorite places is the Vale in Independence, the Vale Mansion. Uh, but I haven't necessarily had a really good investigation there yet. I keep trying. I keep going back. Um, but it's a great place and it's got some amazing spooky stories about it. And you just look at it and you go, yep, that place is haunted. <laughs> um, Probably, boy, one of my favorite investigations probably would be at the 1859 jail on the square in Independence. Uh, we were doing an investigation there, and people always argue about, when, every time I ask somebody, which is the most haunted cell, because you always hear about the most haunted cell, everyone tells me a different cell. So, so we were just kind of moving from cell to cell, seeing for ourselves. And we were spending some time in one cell that we'd gotten a lot of activity in the first time we were there, but nothing was going on. and. We had gotten to the point where we're just being goofy and like you do when, you know, you get bored. (laughs) It's like, we should be taking this seriously, but we know we've been standing in there for an hour. Um, Let's try another cell. And so we're still kind of being goofy as we walk across the hallway to the cell directly across from it. And as we enter it, um, I was recording video and audio at the same time. You could hear us all just kind of go, ugh, as we walk into it and we stand in there really somber and quiet for a while and then we all start talking about how we don't feel well anymore we just feel really heavy and a few people has are feeling really sick in their stomach and um, then I started seeing what I thought was a shadow outside of the door like someone walking up and down the hallway did you know that radiate wellness has a subscription-based premium content facebook group think of it like the premium version of this free podcast In this premium Facebook group, you can find great content like replays of online classes, meditations on angels, chakras, mindfulness, and more, guest speakers, mini classes, polls, plus 
you'll be the first to know of guests that we have scheduled for the podcast and can submit questions for them. You get all of this great content for one low monthly price, and the first month is half off. You can subscribe by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash shop. Click the subscriptions button and you're in. Also, while I have your attention, wherever you're listening to this free podcast, if you could just do us a couple of favors, please. One is go to hit the subscribe or follow button. Then you'll be notified of all of the episodes we have coming out each week. Also, please rate and review. It sounds really simple, but it helps us to grow our audience when people are looking for great podcasts. And when we grow our audience, we can do bigger and better things and bring you even more great guests. So please do those couple of things, and that will help us grow this audience and this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And so I pointed my video camera at it. And we stood there for a little while and then a few of us took pictures and I took, I think, three pictures and nothing showed up in any of the photos. But when I got home and was reviewing my video, when I took my third photo, there's this weird thing that appears in the hallway. And I just call it a weird thing because I don't know what it was. Um, I couldn't really even tell you what size it was, maybe about this big. Um, And it looked like, I thought at first it looked like a playing card. And I still kind of think it looks like a playing card. Um, but other people think maybe it looks like a keyhole. And it just showed up that one time. It wasn't like, you know, somebody's red eye from their flash because it was my third picture. And that's the only one that happened in. And um, we've been there several times and tried to recreate it. And we have not been able to recreate it. And I've never seen this happen anywhere else using the exact same equipment. Don't know what it was. If someone was there trying to show us something, I'm sorry, I missed the message because I don't know what they meant with that. (laughs) But it was weird. And it was kind of really exciting to see that because I always record video and rarely do I get anything I can't explain on it. Normally, my video is just to document what we're doing. Um, I've got a better chance of catching us going, oh, something weird just happened than actually catching to something weird on video. So I use that as my documentation. So I wasn't expecting to see that. And then I was like, what was that? Rewind through what? Um, this is back in the eight millimeter days. And so it was, you know, rewind the tape. <laughs> and it's just kind of one of the cooler investigations because we, we all had that experience. And then I got that on video. Oh, that doesn't always happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Even on Ghost Hunters shows, there are just hours and hours of footage that nothing happened. Nothing, yeah. You know, and I think sometimes people forget that on the TV shows, it's normally a whole weekend's worth of investigation condensed to a half hour to an hour. (laughs) Things don't happen that quickly. Uh, You know, paranormal investigation is a whole lot of sitting around waiting for something to happen and nothing happens. Uh, You could be at the most haunted location, someplace where you've had crazy things happening before, and you could be there for 12 to 24 hours and nothing happened. Because like I said, Hey, to people all the time, we can't make them perform on command. They do what they want to do when they want to do it. And there's no, just because nothing happened while I was there doesn't mean nothing's happened. I'm not going to tell somebody that doesn't happen because I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know that I've seen things that I can't get to happen again. So it's just one of those things that, you know, it's, it's unknown and we don't know what it is exactly for sure. And 
we can't control it. So <laughs> we just have to sit and wait and hope for the best. Do you have any theories as to um, why something would show up one time and not another? If I were to make guesses, um, if it's if it's a residual, you know, something that's happened that just shows itself over and over and over again, the one time we saw it, we happened to be there at the time it was looping. Um, but if it's an active haunted, one that interacts with people, perhaps it was trying to show itself to somebody that was there specifically. Or I do think that a lot of times with the paranormal, it gets energy from us. And if there's somebody there that's just like a drag, like, no, nah, I don't want anything to happen. I don't want anything to happen. They can kind of hold back that energy and then nothing's going to happen. Uh, but if everybody's kind of like, something could happen, you know, I want to be, I want to be a skeptic. I don't want to think, yes, something's going to happen or no, nothing's going to happen. You got to be that, that middle of maybe something could happen and just have that energy available. And sometimes it, it's a little more active when, if you have the right group of people versus a group of people with maybe some people that are just like, no, I don't want to be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that makes a difference too. Oh, and sure. I had an experience in um, Kentucky where I don't see things normally because I'm not psychic, but I saw something that looked like a solid child. And what I really like about that experience was not only was it one of the very few times that I've seen something I couldn't explain, Everybody that was there saw something, but all of us saw something different. Like I saw a little boy, solid, looked like a real little boy. Some other people just saw a blur of light. Some other people saw a shadow. Some other people just heard a noise. Uh, one guy just felt it when it bumped his hip. And I think that was really cool because I know what I saw and the other people there saw things, but none of us saw the exact same thing. And I thought that's really interesting which makes me wonder sometimes when somebody says they see something and somebody else says, well, I don't see anything. Doesn't mean they're not, it's not there. <laughs> exactly. You know, just, we all have different perspectives. We all see, I think what we're capable of seeing at the time, mm -hmm. maybe, or what it wants us to see at the time. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know that in my own work, because I'm a, a working medium too. And um, mm -hmm. so I know that we all have different ways that we perceive so some of us are more visual, some of us are more yeah. audience, auditory, some more kinesthetic, some are more, you know, cognitive. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Some people definitely are more open than others, whether they want to be or not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, I'm one of those people that I've always put myself in the places to see them. So I have seen some things. I've definitely had some strange experiences, but it wasn't because. I have any special abilities it's just that I keep putting myself in locations where things happen <laughs> my odds are better um, and I wish I wish I wish I could see them all the time that I, well maybe if I could then I wouldn't want to see them all the time. <laughs> I, I know the signs to look for <laughs> okay what are the signs to look for uh well to me most of the time it's you know that paranoid feeling like when someone comes in the room behind you and you don't know who it is yet it's that feeling like, okay, there's a, an additional somebody in the room that's not, you know, I'm counting us. I feel like there's five people and I only see four. Um, somebody has joined us. Uh, we were at one location in St. Louis where we went from one room to another. And I always do a head count to make sure we're all there. And I was like, we're missing someone. And I was like, no, we're not. Somebody else was with us in that last room <laughs> because I felt like there was an additional person, person with us in that other room. So 
that's one of my main personal things is I, I can just kind of like, I feel like there's somebody else has joined us. Somebody else has come in the room, but I don't see them and I don't hear them. It's mm-hmm. just that someone walked in. <laughs> so I try to explain it to people. When someone comes in behind you, you know, someone walked in the room before you see them. And I, I just kind of feel that in a room. Yeah. Somebody else joined us. <laughs> somebody else was here. And yeah. Uh, so have you done investigations in people's private ho- private homes? Yes, yes. Um, I haven't done as many lately as we used to. Um, part of that is, like I said, I like people to um, help us out. because like, There's no point of us coming out on Friday night at 10 if there are activities on Wednesdays in the afternoon. I want to be there when they're having the situation happen. So I like people to keep those log sheets. Um, and... Right now with COVID, it's just not a good idea. <laughs> Until this is over, um, we're just not going to do that because unfortunately, you know, I would love to, I would love to, but it's just not safe right now because I wouldn't want strangers coming into my home right now and I wouldn't feel comfortable going into somebody else's home. Exactly. It's just, yeah, you know, we don't know who's asymptomatic. We don't, I could have just been exposed at the quick trip getting gas and I don't know it. And now I've come into your house. So, you know, it's one of those, I just don't want to be that spreader. <laughs> exactly. Oh, but yeah. Hopefully, hopefully once this is under control, we can get back to doing that again. Cause I miss it. It's, you know, it's interesting. Some of the weirdest things happen in private homes. So. Have any good stories? <laughs> um, not from my personal experience, but the things people tell us they have experienced. There's some really good ones. There was one house we did where um, the husband kept seeing a man on the floor in the bathroom who would spin on the floor. Um, we did not experience that, but we definitely picked up some weirdness in that house. So I was a, okay, I would love to see that. <laughs> but it was an interesting investigation for sure. And, um, you know, we had one we did, uh, I think it was in Belton, where um, we were taking turns one at a time walking through the house on camera. And um, one of our investigators walked through and they didn't really have anything happen while they were in there, but I was watching my video afterwards. And as soon as they left, all these motion detectors started going off behind them, like something was following them. And I thought, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Maybe not to them, but it was cool to me watching it on video. (laughs) Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever lived in a haunted location? Funny story. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was always told there was a haunted house on our block. And my my siblings and the neighborhood kids all assumed it was the house two doors down from us because it had been empty as long as I could remember, which is for kid is maybe a year. But you know, it was a kid, the house has always been empty. <laughs> and it had this big scary tree in the front, and it was always dark and you could not see the front of the house. And so we had dare each other go up and knock on the door of the haunted house, and we'd run, ah! And we always just thought it was the haunted house, but then somebody moved into it and the branches got cut back on the tree. It's a beautiful house. And I started babysitting for the people there and it wasn't haunted at all. Um, And then I found out that the haunted house was actually our house. (laughs) Um, We had no clue. We had no clue, but um, there were three kids and we were all very close together in age and we're noisy and we move things about. And, you know, all sorts of things could have been happening and we just didn't notice because, you know, something got moved. Yeah, so-and-so did it. You're hearing a noise. Oh, so-and-so needs to be more quiet. 
And I do remember as a kid, my sister and I shared a bedroom on the second floor and our family room was right below it. And my mom and dad would yell up to us, you girls need to stop playing around and get to bed. And we're like, we are in bed. And they're like, we can hear you. And we're like, you weren't doing anything. <laughs> and um, now that my parents live in that same house by themselves, they'll be sitting in the family room watching TV at night and they'll hear furniture moving around <laughs> upstairs where nobody is. And I heard it one time when I was there and I thought, what was that? And they said, yeah, we know. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> and my brother, when he was a little kid, he had a, a room that was downstairs and he always said there was a man in his closet and we made fun of him for that. And um, now that's one of my parents' guest rooms that I stay in when I go visit. And there's a man in that closet. <laughs> I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll feel like there is somebody standing in front of that closet door staring at me. And I'll just be so crazy paranoid until I can turn the light on. Like there's a man, a big, dark shadow figure of a man standing right in front of that closet door. <laughs> and I've seen it. I felt it. And I believe my brother now. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> Have you done an investigation in that house? We have not. I thought about it. I, I thought about maybe trying to record some EVP or something to see, um, but I just haven't actually done it yet. So maybe I will sometime when I'm there. <laughs> oh, that's so, cool. so EVP. So if yes. uh, the people listening to this probably know what that is, but just in case, can you walk us through that? Just in case. Uh, a lot of people do know. They used to not, um, but with the TV shows, they do it on a lot of the paranormal TV shows. It's electronic voice phenomena. And I tell people I change my mind about things all the time. Um, like I'll say, I don't believe in that. And it's like, oh, I know I do. EVP is one of those things that initially I thought that's a bunch of bunk. Um, when I first heard about it, it was back in the 70s. And um, they said you had to have the white noise going in the background. And they'd say, turn your TV to between the channels. Because back then you'd get the snow, you know, the, this white noise from the television. Or turn it to the radio between stations so you don't have any voices or anything. I thought, well, they're just picking up the radio waves randomly and that's not real. And I thought, eh, but then um, I started recording audio when I was doing investigations. And the thing with EVP, electronic voice phenomena is it's voices that show up on the audio recorder that we didn't hear at the time that we were present. Um, like we'll be talking and then there'll be another voice in the background. And um, I was recording a walkthrough with a woman and I at their house that they were having weird activity in. And it was just she and I, everybody else was down in the basement and we could not hear them. No TVs or anything were on. And she's showing me around the house and she says, okay, this is the doorknob we see jiggle. And sometimes we see this and that's about as exciting as it is. And I'm going, mm-hmm, and I'm making notes. Um, but I, I would record my interview and then I'd go home and transcribe it. So I had my transcriber headphones on and I'm transcribing away. And as she's telling me about this doorknob, I start hearing two men shouting, arguing, screaming at each other in the background and saying a lot of really awful things. And um, it really caught me off guard. And I started, I shared it with my teammates and um, we really kind of got it isolated and listened to it. And there's at least three voices in there. And there's two men arguing. And there, at one point you hear a smack, like somebody gets slapped. And there's a woman's voice in there too. And at one point, the one voice says, give me my daughter back. And I can guarantee you there was not a fight of any kind going on when I was recording this because I was bored. I was like, uh-huh, doorknob jiggles. Yep, got it. <laughs> uh, but, and we played it for the homeowners. They don't know the voices. Um, but that the house they were in was built on an old farmstead. 
in Leewood. And uh, the house itself, the guy that initially built it worked for Microsoft. And so it had massive amounts of electricity in it. It had, uh, I think, six breaker boxes to this one house alone because he had all that set up for his equipment. And I don't know if all of that energy from those breaker boxes and all the electricity throughout the house just made it an ideal place to conduct that. Uh, and maybe those voices were from something in the past, from the old farmstead. We don't know. But it was very intriguing. And from that moment forward, because I recorded it myself, I believe in EVP now. <laughs> you know, and other people play me things. That's like, that's interesting. Oh, that's cool. And even if I'm there, I'm like, okay, I was there. I know that wasn't said. But, you know, if I wasn't there, I don't know for sure. I have to trust people. Um, but since I recorded it on my own, it's like, okay, that's bizarre. I believe that's a thing now. <laughs> Because right. we did not hear it, and it's clearly there. Wow. Now, I, I always like to be practical about these things. Could that have mm-hmm. been a baby monitor that you were picking up something? Could have, okay. Nope, they, they didn't have, their kids were teenagers. There was no baby monitor in the house. Uh, you know, I thought was, was it a radio thing? But I can't find anything but two people fighting and sacking a woman, and there's swearing involved, so probably not on the radio. Um, yeah, it's, I just haven't found anything that matches it besides that and nobody that recognizes the voices at all. Oh, my God. You know, these EVPs are. And I've never had anything like that again. <laughs> that was my big, exciting EVP, and I've never caught another one like it then. <laughs> but it did open my eyes to say, okay, something's happening. <laughs> something's happening. So, yeah, yeah. You, you, you have to know, okay, I don't know what it is. I don't have to know what it is, but there is something there. Yeah, be investigated. And you know, you hear some of these EVPs online, and it's like, oh my goodness, that's yeah, it's unmistakable. Yeah, wow. That's what I try to tell people is, if you have to amplify it up really loud, it's probably not good enough to share. If, but if it's you can hear those voices clearly, that's those are the ones you want to share with people. Those are intriguing and spooky. <laughs> is that one? Is that recording up somewhere that we can hear it? Yes, it is on uh, my team's website. Um, which is caseyghost.com. Um, I'm trying to think of the easiest way to get to it. Uh, um, you know, uh, I am looking at it. Um, it's in, uh, I'm trying to think what year it was from. I think it was 2004. That's, I should have come better prepared. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hang on just a second. <laughs> Let me find the year. I'm pretty sure it was 2000. It's either 2000. Four or five, I'm pretty sure. Oh my gosh, you've got the former Unity Inn. Is that the one downtown, Ninth yeah. and Tracy? Um, it's a Ninth and Tracy, yes. 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 Oh my gosh. It was a big empty building when we did that investigation, and it was cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we found a bunch of really old newspapers and old things in there too that were really interesting to go. Through. Oh yeah, that that place had a lot of activity in it. I remember. Yeah. Last time I saw a picture of it, though, it's all nice and fixed up and fancy again. But when we were there, it was oh. dirty and needed a lot of love. It's burned <laughs> down. It did? I didn't know that. It did. Oh, that's heartbreaking. It, yes, it's so heartbreaking. I did not know that. Yeah. So we I can um, maybe link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can definitely, I can send email you the link to it. Wonderful. Um, Because I can find it that way. It's just not where it's easily to pop out at you. And yeah. um, Yeah. No worries. I I will definitely email you directly to it. So. Oh, wonderful. So you'll put that in. uh, And I think we called it Shouting Man. Yeah. Ooh. 
that's fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's oh it's my favorite. You, you talk about PPPs, <laughs> and so you've got all this fancy equipment. In fact, on your on your webpage, Ghosts a Go Go, which is your own webpage, mm-hmm. you've got a link yep. to where you can buy some of this equipment. What equipment do you like to use? I do. I do. Yeah. What? Uh, well, you know, I have um, two great big stand-up rolling toolboxes full of equipment, and one gigantic, massive suitcase full of equipment. And I really only use my video cameras and my audio recorders anymore. Um, and the reason is, um, a lot of that stuff, oh, there is no such thing as a ghost detector. There, you know, what we're using is equipment that was made for other things that we're trying to see, will it work for this? And um, a lot of times we think it's doing one thing. And then after we use it for a while, we realize, oh, no, that's just picking up all of this. And it's not really helping us with the ghost detection. So we stop using it. And I always tell people before they go out and buy equipment they saw on a TV show, find out how long people have been using it for the paranormal. If they've not been using it for at least five years, I would save their money because this stuff isn't cheap. Um, because maybe in five years, nobody's using it anymore. Uh, there are lots of things people use for a while that they realize, nope, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, but the TV shows also kind of gave me a, a clue as to um, a mistake a lot of people are making. Um, if you watch the shows, they get really excited whenever anything has blinking lights and they will like something's lights start blinking if it's a electromagnetic frequency detector or if it's one of the REM pods on the tv show lights start blinking everyone zooms to the blinking lights and gathers around it and they talk to the device um, well the device isn't a communication thing it's just telling you something's going on in the room um, and what you should be doing instead of looking at the blinking lights is looking around the room to see what set it off and um, why is it going off? And uh, the example I use is if you're sitting in your house and your doorbell rings, do you run to the little box on the wall that it rang where the sound came from and start talking to it? Who's there? What's going on? Or do you go to the front door to see why it rang? And, you know, that's the same thing with these devices. If your lights are blinking, something's going on in the room. Look for what made it go off. See if you can find something happening in the room. I can just imagine being a ghost and you set off a detector and everyone's gathered around the little blinking lights and you're like, hello, <laughs> I'm over here. <laughs> I'm not in the box. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I thought, you know, I'm going to start depending on that stuff less. I'm going to spend less time looking at equipment and more time experiencing the room. Because when people ask you to come out, they're not telling you, I got this device and it did this. They're telling you, I was in here and this happened. Mm-hmm. So I want to spend more time seeing if I have that same experience they did rather than looking at lights blinking. <laughs> and I've been on a couple of investigations and it's true. We do mm-hmm. that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, the lights are blinking. <laughs> <laughs> the one that really gets me is when they start talking to these ghosts that maybe they don't even speak English. Maybe they're from pre-electricity and they're saying, come to the green blinking light. And it's, okay, maybe they don't know what you're saying. And maybe they don't even know what that is. You know, maybe describe it in terms that they might know. You know, the box with the light on it or the box with the flame on it, with the green flame. Maybe that's something they'd understand better. Um, you always have to think about where you are and who you're trying to contact and talk to them in a way that they would understand rather than just what's easiest for you. Uh, one of the Ghost Hunters Internationals they were in Germany speaking to the ghosts in English and I just had to shake my head. (laughs) 
you know, find out who you're talking to and talk to them in a way they understand. English is not the universal language of the undead. <laughs> I feel like that needs to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. It's not the universal language. <laughs> yeah. Be responsible. Think about think about who you're there to communicate with. <laughs> Be respectful too. You know, I've seen too oh, many absolutely. investigators who are not respectful. Mm-hmm. And oh, the TV shows really push that and I really hate that because that's just the worst. If I were just as a person in a room and someone came in to talk to me and they start taunting me, I'm not going to talk to them. I'm going to leave. Why would that make me talk to them? Oh, they're threatening me. Bye. <laughs> um, Their house. And, yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm here. I don't know who you are. Get out. Uh, just be respectful and talk to them respectfully. And another thing I like to do, um, a lot of times I hear people say, how did you die? I won't do that because maybe they don't know they're dead. You know, I'm going to talk to them about what did you have for dinner last night? What's your favorite kind of pie? Um, what do you do for a living? Things that, you know, they might want to talk about, you know, who do you have a crush on? <laughs> Things that, you know, might spur a conversation. How did you die? Uh, even if they know they're dead, maybe they don't want to talk about that. You know, mm-hmm. it could be an awful thing. So just not a question I use. <laughs> exactly. Um, have you been to the John Warnell house? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, cool that's pretty haunted. Yeah. Did you get anything yeah. interesting there? We have. We've gotten some EVP there that we couldn't explain, like a man's voice when no men were with us. Yeah. Um, and there was one time we were there, and I swear that we heard, two of us heard cannon fire, but nobody else heard it. And that was interesting because, okay, the others didn't hear it. And that was really loud to me. So it makes me wonder, maybe that wasn't something outside that could have just sounded like that. Maybe it was a sound that we happen to hear um and yeah we've seen some weird shadows there too it's a interesting place yeah that's a good story pretty active pretty active and just mm-hmm. you know for those outside of the kansas city area it's it was a hotbed for the civil war and you know, there were it was a field hospital oh, yeah. for a minute and it was overtaken by both sides and mm-hmm. just all kinds of history there and then the shawnee yep. indian mission i know is another location yeah in there mm-hmm. yeah i have not done an investigation there but i'd love to <laughs> it would be great because I hear stories about it. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we talk about you know really emotional things happening there, mm-hmm. and it was you know these children held against their will and forced to learn English, and yep. they had slaves, enslaved people there, and just all kinds of yeah. There's all kinds yeah. of activity. Yeah, I mean, but it, honestly, it's it's everywhere. Um, I'm someone mm-hmm. who can who can just see this energy and see the, this stuff, you know, when they want me to, um, mm-hmm. I go, it's like, this stuff is everywhere. I, I, t- I try to tell people that too. It's like, where can I go to see a ghost? You can go home yeah. <laughs> and just talk to them. There's something there. I guarantee you they're around us all of the time. They're here. We just don't always notice them. We don't always bump into each other. Mm-mm. No, I always talk about how it's it's kind of like, you know, you've got these dark, uh, what is it, infrared glasses. It's like you can't see these things with your naked eye, but if you put this on, you're allowed to I didn't to hear see. that. I'm sorry. Oh, so sorry. Um, so it's like if you've got, you know, these these night vision goggles or infrared glasses, something like that, you, you can't see these things with your yeah. physical eyes, but, you know, these 
devices allow you to see things that you wouldn't normally be able to see. So these things are around us just in another, another dimension. So we just can't necessarily see them with what we have. Oh no, did I lose you? <laughs> to start the recording again. Um, we had just a uh, bit of a technical glitch there, which is so funny. And Becky said, the ghosts heard me talking about them and they took me away. But honestly, <laughs> we're joking. I just said they're everywhere. And then I was like, wait a minute, what's happening? Everything's gone choppy. <laughs> <laughs> but that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, they definitely interfere with, they can drain batteries. They can, um, interfere with anything electronical, which is kind of why we think that uh, maybe they get energy from that as well, too, is maybe that's they're pulling that out to, uh, to try to make something happen where they can make a sound or let us see them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that happens a lot. They mess with equipment, <laughs> intentionally or not. We don't know that yet. They <laughs> do. They really do. <laughs> Yeah, and, and in some of the um, UFO investigations that I've heard of mm-hmm. that, you know, you might take this incredible footage, you get home to transfer it to your computer, and it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, it's like you didn't even record it. <laughs> or it's all white, or it's all blank, or yeah. Or sometimes you, you put it on your computer, and then there's nothing. You saw it as you were transferring it, but once it's on there, it's gone. Yeah. What? How? Why? <laughs> I know. We were just talking about how uh, it's around us all the time. It's like we live in this paranormal mm-hmm. soup that we can't yes. necessarily perceive. But mm-hmm. once you kind of clear away and get the night vision goggles or the infrared or something, some yeah. some sort of way, maybe the EM, EMF things you don't normally see. And I, I do think also um, it's important to be looking for it because I think as adults, we've trained our brains to shut so much out of outside noises, distractions, things going on. And I think things happen that we just don't notice because we're not looking for it. You know, it's like, eh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like, oh, that sound is just the roommate or the cats. The cats are knocking things over. But you don't look, oh, the cat's asleep. Eh, the cats are right there. <laughs> you know, we've just, as adults, we've trained to filter so much exterior noise pollution and things like that out that we're not paying attention to all the things we probably should be. You know, I think that's why kids see things more than we do. They haven't trained themselves that yet. I was just going to mention that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a kid's phenomenon, but you know, um, you know, you'll talk to somebody and say, well, do you see things that others don't? Um, You perceive things that are um, people would say are not there. Well, I did when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> a lot of people say, I had this imaginary friend. And was that more than an imaginary friend? Maybe it was, you know, <laughs> maybe their imaginary friend was just the house ghost. You know, why would a little kid have an imaginary friend who's an old man? But little kids do. So, you know, <laughs> you have to think about that. You know, if a kid's making it up, you'd think it'd be somebody similar to themselves, not someone that can't go play and do the things they want to do. That's an interesting thing to think about and to look into. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, kid hauntings are, are kind of a thing too. Just kind of mentioned yeah. that, that um, kids will often find themselves being ghosts or being, you know, haunting. Yeah. yeah. I have a hypothesis on that. 
is it's not because I know some people get really sad when you say kid ghosts and they think, oh, that's so tragic. But I don't necessarily think that they died as a child. I think maybe they're haunting as the way they remember themselves when they were the most happy. And they were happiest as a child. So that's how they appear to us is as a child. I can't prove that. It's just my hypothesis. But I, I think sometimes that's the way it is. Because you look, it's like no children were here. No children died here. But maybe the children are the other people just showing themselves the way they were happy, the way they want to be remembered. We don't know. It's I an interesting that. thing. Yeah. I mean, why it's, not? You know, because. Yeah, and you know, and it's it's not as sad as wow, this place is full of kids. <laughs> you know, it's it's a little different, puts a little different spin on it. It mm-hmm. makes you look into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that because we know that sometimes we hear stories of people um, seeing their loved ones, but they're not old anymore. They're not sick anymore. Right. If they yes. were the limb, they're whole. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Same type of thing. Yeah. Just the way they were happiest and healthiest. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Well, Becky, um, I feel like we're kind of drawing to the end of our time here. Sure. Um, I have absolutely loved talking the paranormal. You've got such yeah. experience. I didn't know you were in my backyard. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> right? right here in Kansas City. Yep. And you've got yep. the websites. You want to plug your websites? Yes. Uh, my personal website, uh, where you can buy a copy of my book. You can buy you a copy of my book anywhere, but I do sell autograph copies on my website is ghostsagogo.com. And then my team site is caseyghosts.com. Wonderful. Caseyghosts.com. Yeah. And you've got a Facebook group. Don't you? Uh, oh, my, my Ghost of Go-Go does. Yes. Yes. Follow Don't me on you. Ghost of Go-Go on Facebook. Yes. Yeah. Um, our team. Yeah. Our team does not right now because we, you know, the whole... COVID things. COVID. <laughs> I have Ghost of Go-Go on there. Please follow Ghost of Go-Go on yeah. Facebook. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Becky Ray, thank you so much for joining us. The book again is Kansas City Hauntings, History and Mystery of the Paris of the Plains. And there it is. Yay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.